0: And this background topic is about Jeff Bezos.
1: Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs>
0: Good old Jeffrey.
1: I hope I don't get fired from saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to cut it. <laughs> To the Needle Movers podcast, a podcast that brings to you the lessons, books, and concepts we wish we'd known earlier on in our lives. As always, your hosts are myself Mark Jasons and my co-host Larry Tomasso. And again, we are together
0: in the same, <laughs> in the same place at the same time. They don't know
1: they, don't know. they don't know. It's a different place. It's a whole different year. Um, but if you're listening today, this is one from our book club series, and we bring to you, to you one of the key principles at our Amazon that have allowed them to become a powerhouse. This is about working backwards. Working backwards is not only a principle at Amazon, but it is a book by Bill Breyer. Oh, Bill Carr and Colin Breyer.
0: <laughs> you mix the names together. Always,
1: the names are the hardest part. So this principle isn't just a business related one, but it can be used in your personal lives as well. Like most of the concepts we tend to go through in our podcast episodes, and it can help with your personal development and growth and they are
0: former amazon executives so they worked in the company for so many years mm-hmm. then they came out and decided let's
1: give this knowledge to everyone it's nice that they chose to share it after the <laughs> fact but it is uh we uh, we know as um people who work for amazon it's like a, a core principle in amazon working backwards but yeah stay tuned and listen to how it is utilized and how you can use it in your personal lives
0: so i'm going to be reading off a little bit of uh background topics here mm-hmm. and this background topic is about jeff bezos
1: jeffrey bezos <laughs>
0: good old Jeffrey. i hope i don't get fired from saying that
1: <laughs> <laughs> <have cut> <laughs> <laughs> um, but
0: anyway uh jeff bezos as everyone knows is a little bit like marmite some people love it and some people hate him um, and if you don't know what Marmite is, it's this like pasty <laughs> stuff that is sold in the UK. <laughs> but anyway,
1: this episode is about Marmite.
0: <laughs> it's not about Marmite. However, <laughs> um, regardless of how you feel about uh, Jeff, it's actually fair to say that he started off with a pretty cool story. Mm. And the cool story being that in 1994, he was working for a hedge fund of DE Show. And it was a pretty decent job in Wall Street. So that means that he was probably getting paid quite decently. Uh, he had probably good hours back then. And uh, he was doing quite well for himself. And what Jeff was asked to do back then was to research potential business opportunities involving this new thing at the time, which was called the internet. <laughs> so, so, so. We're talking about 1994 Yeah, I know we take the internet for granted.
1: but Wow. Back then... It was once upon a time, it was new, even though it was only night like, while well, we say this. Maybe we're just very old. <laughs> this, this. Maybe that.
0: I mean, people don't know what a DALA connection is, oh, so... <laughs> anyway, um, at the time when Jeff was doing this research, he's found a staggering statistic. And the statistic was that the web would grow by 2300% per year. 2,300% per year. That's an incredible amount of growth thinking about where we are
1: today it makes sense because of where we are today but it's still yeah knowing that in hindsight in foresight is insane i think and it's
0: as you mentioned it's really easy to look at it now and think you know retrospectively oh yeah that's obvious but at the time it wasn't obvious at the time it was a projection we never knew that it was gonna grow to the way that it did Mm -hmm. and that's why it was um, a potential statistics or something that could happen so, if we were to put this in perspective, we could probably say that the internet back then is probably the equivalent of the multiverse today, in a way. I didn't expect to see that. <laughs> I didn't see the multiverse. And just to give you some stats, as of 2021, uh, sorry, not the multiverse, the metaverse. Oh, there we
1: go. I was thinking it was Sorry, wow. the metaverse. <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm gonna see where you take this. <laughs> the
0: metaverse, um, so the metaverse was, uh, was valued in 2021 at 22.78 billion dollars and it's forecasted to reach 996 billion dollars. So but it's fair, fair to, say,
1: to say, say that again, it's worth wh- how much?
0: 22.79 billion, forecasted
1: to reach an evaluation
0: of 996. So it's not as high as the internet was back in 1994. However, quite staggering. I now
1: understand what Facebook's up to or Meta is up to.
0: (laughs) And it's probably uh, it's It's fair to say say that that not many of us would probably put all our eggs in the Metaverse basket. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, especially at
0: this point in time. And it's probably fair to say that in back in 1994. People were not quite ready for the internet. Mm. The internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a fallacy. It doesn't it's sound so- real. Exactly. Or even better, uh, knowing the opportunity that the multiverse could bring, or sorry, the metaverse could bring, it's almost as if you <laughs> left your job today mm-hmm. and put all your egg- eggs in that basket and started a company dealing with the metaverse. It sounds like really. Yeah.
1: You're flipping far-fetched. the hardest
0: coin you could flip. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But that's what happened back in 1994. So Jeff Bezos saw an opportunity with the internet, and the opportunity was to build an online bookstore that could host way more books than any other bookstores, physical bookstores available in the country. Mm. Because he had the opportunity to store more than 10,000 titles by just having them in warehouses. But that's what he did. So there was no guarantee that he would have been as successful as we know him today. So you can... Dislike him, you can like him, whatever it might be. But it's fair to say that he did really seize the opportunity back
1: then. He's into risks. (laughs) Yeah, but he seized the day. Seized the day. So in 1994, working backwards for Jeff Bezos meant, I guess, understanding opportunities and starting with the customer. He had to figure that out beforehand. Interesting. (laughs) So there was an opportunity here with the growth of the internet. He understood that people shopping for books don't always find everything they want in bookstores. You're kind of limited to the local bookstore you have. Actually, when I was young and still to this day, Waterstones existed. Yeah. My world was two places, library and Waterstones. Whatever I had available to me, those were the books that existed.
0: <laughs> and if you go
1: into, into Waterstones, for
0: example, you're limited to their selection. Now, this is a bit easier. If you can't find something, you speak to the desk, they check on the internet, check on the system, they see what's missing, etc., Back then, you probably get told, yeah, sorry, mate,
1: (laughs) we haven't got any available for you. It's true. They're limited to what they can hold. One, their capacity, and two, what they can get available to them. And so if you go there in person, you can be left disappointed, upset. You know, there's a gap in the market, basically. So he had to start with these customers. This is where Jeff comes in. And uh, here's the three things that Jeff thought at this time. So one, what if I could offer a store that holds all of the books of the world? which kind of reminds me of the library in Egypt that burnt down. I can't believe I can't remember the name, <laughs> but they didn't have all the, but yeah, all, all the books of the world. Two, what if the shopper can order from the comfort of their home, which is far fetched back then? Cause I, I swear it's only been like maybe 10 years or so since Uber eats. And those yeah. ones existed. Uh, and then three. what if they could receive the book relatively quickly and be delighted by it? So Yeah. To be fair, thinking of this as the first person to think it is so far-fetched because you used to go out, you had to go to places to order cabs, to go order food. Everything was not as easily accessible as it is now. And so going and saying, I go to my bookstore and I'm not guaranteed to get it, but what if you are guaranteed to get all the books you order from the comfort... He's gone over and above. He said, "From the comfort of your own home and in a a decent enough... um, time period of um receiving it that you're happy but yeah that's the that was the point which is the end point that he started from and then worked backwards
0: and it's i mean if you think back about when you're in 1994 the best thing the next best thing that you have after the internet really is watching your local shopping channel on your tv <laughs> hey that's
1: still good or <laughs> ordering
0: off a magazine Mm. oh yeah that's probably as close as you got to being able to do a mail order and here we're talking about using the internet as a platform to make that order so being able to understand what the customer wanted and work backwards from it that's really critical
1: it reminds me of the yellow pages like you you'd call you know what i mean he said no no phone calls this is going to be an online endeavor which is yeah it's a huge risk but yeah he started from that point
0: and that was the start. And this idea developed. It developed because he started understanding more of customer needs, more of the customer requirements. So he went from being able to order books online mm-hmm. to then developing something which was the Kindle. And as we know today, it's a device. But back then the Kindle was just an app that you could install on your laptop, for example, and download ebooks that you could read on your laptop. Mm-hmm. Or I should say, probably say a computer. Uh, and then that's developed in the Kindle that we know today, which is a device which is almost like paper like you know, in yeah. a way where you can read books off it. But it's this continuous understanding of the way that customer needs developed that allowed them to build products which were quite successful. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, they also
1: built some products which were rubbish. I mean, do you remember the Firephone? Hey, we still work for the <laughs> <laughs> Nick. No, yeah, you have to have some bombs and some, yeah. Some things that are successes. They have expanded up Fire TV. There's so many different uh, devices that they've gone into. But yeah, it started from books to then making book like readers. And just carrying that many books on your person being able to read is just a further expansion of the same. But yeah.
0: And you're probably thinking about this point, you know, that's all well and good, but why the hell are we talking about books, Amazon, and uh, the way the Jeff Bezos started? Mm-hmm. Well, the principle is applicable to anything. Mm -hmm. And what I mean with that is in this particular case of uh, Jeff Bezos, he wants to understand what customer wanted and he walked backwards from it. But customers mean many different things for many different people. So customers could be your family, customers could be your boss, uh, customers could be, uh, I don't know, your parents. It's essentially the person that you're trying to serve. And by fully understanding their needs and what they want, that's how you can work proactively towards resolving those needs. So for instance, if your boss wants uh, wants a report for you, fully understanding their requirements and what's expected of you, that's the only way in which you're able to produce something which is worthwhile. And that's where the working backwards principle is really important because when you work backwards from a requirement, that's when you can be successful in delivering it.
1: It reminds me of the phrase what does good look like? Yeah, And there's something I ask often, where, um, or where I tell people to ask often when they're trying to find an ambiguous goal. But it's like, what does good look like? What does the end look like? And then you can choose, that's where I want to get to and work backwards from there. But there's some fallacies, right? There's typical yeah. fallacies. So more often than not, this process happens in reverse, right? People start with the uh, beginning in mind and mm-hmm. work their way towards the end. So they have ideas or products, that, but they don't think of whom they are for or where they will end up or what who they're to go to. I think it's hard to say people get really excited about
0: what they're about to do or the idea that they had and they completely forget about who it's going to serve in a way.
1: Yeah, they, they fully forget who, it, I like that phrasing, who it will serve. It just goes to, I'm going to make this and this is going to be amazing. But they the detail with which Amazon do it will get into like press releases and stuff. But yeah, so we end up with very excited engineers, architects, whomever creatives, who are really focused on the initiation, I guess, of a project—the ideation, fear period—and uh, a, maybe it's a podcast, even like this. But then they will fizzle out, like it's, and it might be one because they themselves haven't foreseen it, or two, they've not addressed any form of audience or um customer, let's say, or yeah, who who they're serving, and that happens very often. That tends to hit. I guess most people. And if you heard our last episode, you'd have heard about how um, people don't even make it two to three years mm. because they've not seen what does the end look like, what does good look like. So,
0: just in that topic, right? Um, it was uh, probably about a couple of years ago. Um, I was driving to the National Trust place because uh, we were, we were going to go for a walk, uh, a bit of a uh, on a weekend, and I received this random call from a friend, and um, I hadn't spoken to this guy in. Uh, Probably about six years. Mm-hmm. I haven't texted with him, but he messages me and he starts talking to me about uh, this fantastic drone that he's developed. Oh, I was like, cool. He starts telling me about like all the tech details. Starts telling me about um, the fact that uh, it's lighter, it's got a longer range. Uh, it can carry um, it can carry equipment or parcels or a payload, which is uh, a lot higher than uh, anything else on the market. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of. Uh, ca- you know, it's, it's quite pitchy in, in in the way that it was delivered. Oh, okay. And then it kind of says, um, Are you work for Amazon, right? Do you think Amazon would, would want it? Like, do you, do, do you know anyone interested that, um, uh, they'd be able to, uh, I'd be able to pitch this to? And I'm like, Man, I was like, "May I, like, I don't work for that section of Amazon, but also, do you know what, what they need as a company? Um. So at that point, I I started more like of a coaching kind of yeah, conversation yeah. in which I was kind of trying to stir him in the right direction in terms of understanding. Hey, if you want to be able to to work with them, probably what you may want to do is actually start thinking about what they need, mm-hmm. and then you know, in tune with this very podcast episode, is work backwards from there to be able to understand what needs you can um okay. uh, you can provide. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't quite get it. Um,
1: so that was probably the last time I really spoke to that, to that person. I hope he's made. not a trillionaire. <laughs> 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 well, I hope he is. Maybe he's still successful, but I understand that point of he's made something and now wants to put it out there. Exactly. Which, which can work in some cases, especially when
0: there happens to be a market need. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, there seems to be a lack of understanding on the uh, on the use cases. Yeah. If you haven't got a use case or you haven't got an application, then it's going to be really hard to try and retrofit your products or your idea back to that application that has got a need.
1: And it's, I think people do this not only with um, their own, uh, say, initiatives or their own ventures, but it can also happen when you're trying to prepare a piece of work for your manager, say your boss or someone asked for something and you have decided to just go about making it your own case without getting an idea of what like i said good looks like who are they trying to serve all of that information gets left behind and then they fall down like i guess it reminds me of the blockbuster example right Mm. basically they were very famous back before and they were the most known let's say video vhs providers they do videos they do dvds and then in the advent of the internet Where their customers are now moving towards online streaming services, they didn't foresee or see the end result of who they are serving, and thought that they were in a stable industry. They even had the opportunity where Netflix, which I'm sure they know, (laughs) I said I'm not sure if our audience knows, Netflix comes to them and pitches to them to be bought by Blockbusters, and they refuse. And I remember it was a very Low a decent price. It was a price that was nothing compared to what Netflix is worth. And even with Netflix right now, maybe struggling a bit and doing payment for premierships still way more. Blockbusters didn't have the foresight to consider who they're serving. And now I'm saying I don't know if our audience knows who Blockbusters is, because rather than it be it is currently, <laughs> rather than a physical store that used to be everywhere, it is now a show on Netflix. <laughs> A show on their competitor about what used to be. I think it's about the last blockbusters.
0: I, I know what you're talking about. I, I've seen the titles of that. But what's also funny is that movies now that get released straight to um, theaters, uh, uh, theaters. Oh. is it theaters or they get released straight to the uh, streaming. streaming services? Yeah. Are known as blockbusters. Oh really? Oh, I didn't realize that. That's so the terminology still used nobody know well probably like 10 years on the line no one will remember what blockbuster is but that's a prime example of not being able to understand customer requirements and walk backwards because if they had the foresight that Jeff Bezos did in some way mm-hmm. they would have realized actually Netflix is not a bad idea i think maybe we should invest in them and uh, get on get on board with the with the streaming service
1: it does make me think of other like phone competitors and things that used to be big and that didn't adapt in time or didn't... Inc- or, like or, or Nokia? Nah, I didn't oh, want to mention no. names. <laughs> I like Motorola came back, they were like, but you like the flip. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the Razor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone loved the Razor. But yeah, it's true. There's, mm. there's people who didn't have the foresight to think, what do the customers want? And they stay maybe too in grounding whatever principles or, or values they've decided are theirs, but not looking at who am I serving? What is the end result I want? And what is the end result that's likely? And then working backwards from there. And that's where it bites you. And now you become a blockbuster which would hurt my heart to be on my competitors, <laughs> someone I could have owned <laughs> as a show, a comical show. You should watch it on their competitor, but still.
0: It's totally interesting. And th- there is so much more that, um, that gets covered in this book, particularly around running a business and how to do that effectively. And if you do own a business or if you're part of a smaller company, I would recommend reading the book because uh, it does help a lot with planning and understanding the planning cycle um, of, of what Amazon does and how you can apply it to you. But particularly, I like working backwards because it's really aligned to the seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. And uh, especially uh, the um, starting with the end in mind, which is uh, one of the things which is taught in, uh, in the seven habits. And Stephen Covey, the author, he talks about this uh, funeral exercise. That's what I was
1: thinking of. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And the funeral exercise, uh, we've we covered it in a, in a past episode, but it's essentially, uh, it's a way for you to visualize what people will say at your funeral around things such as your career, your personal life, your interaction in social aspects, your interaction with the community, and... Understanding what you would want to hear and visualizing it and writing it down helps you to understand the kind of person that you want to become. Mm. And then from there, you can work backwards to try and bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be, which is a great way of living life, in my opinion. But also, it integrates really
1: well with this book called Working Backwards because the principles really go hand in hand. I I can see that link it's kind of when you said that it reminded me of people doing vision boards yeah and they but that's i'd say this when it comes to this book and working backwards and then the way amazon applies it it is way more detailed than a vision board is like a vision and you can work towards that and i'm not saying it's bad or good it's just something that is useful they make press releases <laughs> they go into the gritty of what did people say what are the faqs that they ask you get to they we <laughs> we we go into that much detail to make sure that we have thought about everything so you start with the end in mind and then you think of all iterations to, that will take to get you there while you're still at the beginning in your ideation phase where you're excited where you want to make this thing but you've got that as your i guess guiding north star um and that's a key uh, requirement i say because yes they can still make um some things that fall flat but then you can still become the powerhouse like Amazon or the powerhouse of yourself. Because like we said, this book isn't just about the business side of things. But when you're doing anything, whether be it uh, eating, uh, drinking, whatever, some form of activity, half marathon, where do I want to be? And that can also, I guess, drive your why in the sense. Yeah. 100%. And I
0: think I've seen it in my... What is it now? Like, six years at Amazon? Mm. Um, I've seen a huge difference between the people that do truly work backwards and the people that don't. And I do feel that the people that don't use the working backwards methodology, they seem to be a little bit more lost in their approach. A lack of There is a lack of direction, there is a lack of understanding um, their path to get from A to B. Whereas when you embody the working backwards mentality, you can truly understand the connections of, uh, okay... In order to achieve X, I need to make this step and before that I need to do this step and before that I need to do this step. Which is practically what any project managers do yeah. in, in some way. But it's um it's a more approachable framework to to deal with your day-to-day life in a way.
1: I liken it to putting on a set nav which you used to have to take out a map. But to get to your destination, you needed to know the route. Exactly. And even though right now you might not need to store it here, you always still need to know the route. Where am I going to go? This is where I'll take. And is there traffic here? These things. And those are the things you incorporate to make sure you reach that destination. Uh, If you just went out and just started driving and figured it out, you might get there, but it might take you a very long time
0: in comparison. And it's crazy to think that... I mean that is
1: if you want to do that,
0: that's absolutely fine. Because mm. maybe you want to enjoy the journey. That's fine. Oh wild. <laughs> uh, but if you if you got a goal in mind of um, of achieving certain positions, qualities, um, and you want to do it within a time frame, it's crazy to think that there is people that will not embody that sort of mentality of uh, putting in the destination on the GPS and following the easiest route to get there. And instead, they will go. From left to right, that we use multiple motorways,
1: that we use mo- multiple a roads to get to the same point. I think that's um, some people do that to make other people's lives easier. <laughs> like, oh, so maybe I shouldn't go that way. Thank you for showing me what not to do. And then you take it. It's down to your journey. But I do think when it comes to, we use uh, driving as an analogy, but when it comes to actually doing ventures, when you're doing something that will take a two-door, one-door policy or something that will be um, have a high risk, high reward, it is very beneficial to start with the end in mind, start with who do I serve and then work backwards from there.
0: And I think on, uh, on this topic, just to close off, I guess, um, the working backwards and the funeral exercise is something that I do quite regularly. Uh, so for example, I will do my year plan probably around December, January time to try and figure out how far I am from where I envision myself to be. Mm-hmm. And I will go through the exercise ever so often of doing uh, answering those funeral exercise questions. And I will physically sit down and then try to bridge the gap between where I want to be and where I currently am. Because, you know, it's it's harsh to be remembered of um, how much further away you may be from your destination. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, if you don't do that kind of work on a regular basis, you will just
1: stir further away from where you want to be. This is, okay, just to add on that and then I'll let it go. And it's just this short interval control. Well, uh, This is a funct- uh, feature that you should use in management in general. I wouldn't say it's consulting, but it's just in general. And it's something you can use in your personal life. And that's really, this is a big scale of it because with the funeral exercise, you look at where you will be at the end of your life and work backwards from there. And by doing that activity continuously, um, you're practically doing, I guess, long interval control. But it's, if you're in a ship and you're reaching a destination, forget a car for now, a ship. If you just start heading in a straight line, because it's in a straight line and you don't check, you might veer off. And if every time it hits a certain time frame, if you haven't checked to maintain course, you could end up in a totally different destination. So even though you might have said where the end point is, the working backwards point where you say, this is how to get there. If you're not doing these check-ins, you kind of lose track and you could end up far from your destination. So this is where it's useful to always come back in and say, is this still en route? And that's where I guess working backwards ties in hand in hand because not only are you knowing where you want to go, where to serve you it, it it iterated so you know the points to get to and those are the steps you can use a short interval control it is PM by ypm i need to be here by zpm i need to be there and i think that all matters
0: anyway we come to the end of the episode and believe it or not we've actually covered two topics today <laughs> the first one was working backwards an introduction to what it means in a career work environment but also what it means from a personal life perspective Mm -hmm. and we then link the concept back to the seven habits of highly effective people specifically with the um, starting with the end of mind which i think really do go hand in hand and uh, it's it's a fantastic tool uh, to use when it comes to your personal growth we hope that you have enjoyed the episode
1: And as always, where can you find us? Oh, okay. So I feel like this is a test, by the way. (laughs) It is a test. (laughs) So we've got our website, www.theneedlemovers.xyz. And also you can find us on all social medias, be it TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, at the dot needle dot movers. So I'm looking at you like you're standing. me. It's like okay,
0: <laughs> ten out of ten. I remember all of them.
1: Uh, but, but please remember to subscribe.
0: You hit it before I could. yeah <laughs> <laughs> That is uh, to our podcast, so that you get a notification every time we release a new episode. But you can also do that on the website now. If you subscribe,
1: you'll be able to re-
0: find new content or receive new content yeah. on a regular basis, which hopefully you will
1: find useful. Yeah. And I know on uh, YouTube, if you press the bell, then you can get notifications as well. Ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> that is not the noise it will make. <laughs> but also, yeah, uh, wherever you find get podcasts, you can find us and make sure you give us that feedback and that five star review. I think it's necessary. But the feedback is always welcome. If you have any books in mind that you'd like us to cover on these episodes of Book Club, let us know. We Do not stop reading. No matter what happens, we are always reading. But as always, I've been your host, Mark Jasons. And Valerio Tommaso. And as always, until next time. Adios.